and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue the Fantasy Files series with a look at Carson Wentz. This trade like kicked off almost the entire offseason. You know, we had Stafford, Wentz, Darnold. So I know there were several, you know, big name quarterbacks even with the performance maybe hasn't matched the name in recent history, not pointing fingers at anyone in particular. But I just feel like with a lot of these going down pre-free agency, then we had free agency. Then we had the draft. And it's like, damn, Carson Wentz is on the Colts now. I mean, I think some people are probably going to have that realization in like week one and be kind of uh, spooked out by it. So we'll see what happens. And so far, you know, if you didn't catch the perks on the deal, uh, basically the Colts traded for Wentz in exchange for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick. That second round pick will become a first rounder if Wentz plays 75% of the snaps or 70% and the team makes the playoffs. Gotta love the finite details of, uh, you know, NFL contracts. But anyway, Colts are obviously making a gamble that they can get something closer to the 2017, 2019 version of Wentz as opposed to the guy we saw in 2020. Because that was awful, people. That's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Carson Wentz was objectively terrible last year. 36 out of 44 qualified quarterbacks in PFF passing grade, 23rd in big time throw rate, 36 in turnover worthy play rate, tied for 40th in yards per attempt, 39th in adjusted completion rate, and 42nd in QB rating. That's going to be a sheesh from me, everybody. But as we see with a lot of situations, one player usually isn't the entire cause for all the problems. And in Philly's case, I mean, I remember originally, I think I was writing a Jalen Hurts article and I started looking at the offensive line problems they had. And like three separate times, I thought I was done listing all these. And apparently there were more. So if you figure out I'm missing someone here, I would not be surprised, but at least the ones I was able to track left tackle, Andre Dillard missed the entire season with a biceps injury, Right guard, Brandon Brooks missed the entire season with an Achilles injury. Maybe should have been a bigger red flag for all of us there, but left guard, Isaac Ciamala missed seven games with a knee injury. Jason Peters missed eight games with a toe injury. Lane Johnson missed nine games with an ankle injury. I mean, my goodness, people, that's a minor miracle that this was still PFS 16th and 17th highest grade offensive line and pass and run blocking in Philly last season. So that is a positive for Jalen Hurts and his, uh, you know, hopeful fantasy QB1 campaign moving forward. So the O-line injuries sucked. Other people were getting hurt too. I mean, Travis freaking Fulgham was someone that easily was the best wide receiver on Philly last year. And I didn't even know who he was until he scored the game winning touchdown against the 49ers. And I pride myself on knowing these depth charts all around. I could give you a pretty good ranking of the number four wide receivers across the entire NFL. Travis Fulgham took me by surprise. But with that said, we have Miles Sanders miss four games. Jalen Rager missed five games. Dallas Goddard missed five games. Zach Ertz missed five games and looked like an absolute shell of himself in the games he did play. Alshon Jeffrey missed nine games. Same note I made about Ertz with uh, not looking good either. And Deshaun Jackson missed 11 games. Unfortunately, a yearly occurrence at this point. And even when some of these guys were healthy, they just sucked in general. No team posted a worse overall receiving grade than the Eagles last year. And we just saw some guys like just finish so bad. I mean, there were 224 players, regardless of position with at least 25 targets, 
Miles Sanders, John Hightower, Greg Ward, and Zach Ertz were all among the group's bottom 26 finishers in yards per out run. I mean, once he was only one of six quarterbacks with at least 30 drop passes, and he led the league with a 6.8% drop rate. It was bad sometimes, people. And the biggest example I found was the Ravens game. And look, I, there were certain spots with Wentz where it just seemed like he was almost trying to make up for an entire season's worth of disappointments in one play. I mean, the year started started against Washington. He takes eight or nine sacks or whatever. And that one uh, tough loss, you know, the Rams jumped up on him. They got a tie versus the Bengals. He started to play a little bit better though. Starting in that 49ers game, they were able to put up 29 points against the Steelers and 28 points against the Ravens. And then the wheels really fell off again after that. But I remember thinking in that Ravens game that maybe Wentz could put stuff back together because he hit John Hightower with this bomb about 50 yards downfield. Could have, could have been a 95 yard touchdown if the guy had caught it instead it hit him in the chest and fell to the ground that same game he hit miles sanders in the hand for what should have been at least like a 25 yard touchdown unfortunately that was dropped too again i, I know that quarterbacks all around the league lead have drops and i could you know make these uh, statements about having some touchdowns dropped about plenty of guys just realize for once it was like more of a problem than anybody else and we have that you know confirmed with that league high 6.8 percent drop uh, rate that i mentioned before so Moving on to Indy now, I mean, it's going to help on the offensive line. That's for freaking sure. As long as they don't have this, you know, as long as Carson Wentz isn't the one bringing over the bad luck uh, NFL injury gods, as long as you can keep that voodoo away, I think they're going to be just fine. Last year, PFF ranked the Colts as having the best offensive line prior to the year, and they finished seventh. This year, only the Cleveland Browns are ahead of the Colts in our preseason offensive line rankings. Makes sense. Browns' first team in PFF history to finish the year at the number one pass and run blocking offensive line. Not an indictment on the Colts. Number two is just fine, people. We know how loaded they are. The receiving room is a little bit different. I mean, we have Michael Pittman, who I like, but I talked about this on the podcast throughout the year. Way too many of his highlights just kind of came on uncovered crossers that Rivers was able to get him the ball. I'm still not super convinced he can be, you know, a true like coverage shifting talent. We'll see though. He did have a great uh, final game in the playoffs against the Bills. Certainly big and fast guys. You can usually find a room spot for him on the field. Paris Campbell has flashed in spurts and he's just a perfect guy for Wentz. Uh, my guy, Andrew Erickson was talking about Campbell being a prime late round pick and he's not wrong. I mean, if there's going to be a receiver able to overcome another bad version of Wentz it would be Campbell I think the big stat coming out of Ohio State was he only caught like one ball all season that was thrown more than 20 yards downfield I mean they used him he was the reason why Haskins was uh you know breaking the Big Ten passing record and stuff like that sometimes you know he had a 75 yard touchdown pass uh, against Michigan that the ball traveled all of you know two inches out of his hands to Campbell who then proceeded to outrun the entire defense so Paris Campbell if God forbid the guy could ever stay healthy would help this offense out a lot but we shall see also have 31 year old talent T.Y. Hilton on the outside you know one of the most underrated receivers i think for the better part of the past decade unfortunately man the stats with him with and without andrew luck absolutely brutal and i just don't think you know it's like aj green maybe hilton comes back and you know proves that last year was a fluke but we have more than just uh you know a little bit of evidence at this point that i think his best days are behind him but whatever if ty Hilton's not your only guy you're leaning on that's fine zach pascal also out there this is i think an average to below average group of receivers. I mean, I think just in the wide receiver room alone, you'd have a hard time kind of putting this team in the top 20. With that said, certainly an upgrade over the Eagles, which is good for Carson Wentz. 
I really hope we see Mo Ali Cox uh, get the tight end job. We'll talk more about that when we focus on these Colts receivers later. But without Trey Burton there, you know, ex-friend of Wentz on the Eagles. Maybe they're still friends. Ex-teammate is a better word. Um, we got Jack Doyle, Mo Ali Cox, and we'll see what happens there. So hardly a given that, you know, we're going to see this massive upgrade around him. I will say, though, and this is a great stat courtesy of uh, Roto Worlds and Established the Runs, Jack Miller. The Superbook and just Vegas odds are actually projecting the Colts quite highly if you take they're, you know, just weekly over-unders and see who's expected to score the most points. The Colts come out as the top, as a top four highest scoring offense ahead of next year. And I do think the betting markets, you know, it depends, depends on what we're looking at prop markets, because, you know, if you bet, you know, be careful about anyone that just calls himself like a prop profit or like a true, you know, savant when it comes to like the prop market, because if you're actually good at nailing props you get limited awfully quick and most places usually have a limit anyway on how much you can bet so it's something that's a lot easier to you know tout in your articles than i think it is to really accomplish in real life but with that said i do think there's a lot to be taken from more efficient markets like team totals like spreads because this is vegas they know what they're doing they need to make a lot of money so it incentivizes them to be right i understand the theory that you know they're trying to put lines to get equal action on both sides not necessarily to be right which is true to an extent i think we see that with the cowboys and some of the more popular teams at the end of the day though i think the best way for them in the long run to make the most money is to try to be right as much as possible and with that said top four average implied team totals in weeks one through 16 using the superbook odds number one kansas city number two tampa bay number three buffalo number four indianapolis and number five the cowboys and again courtesy of jack miller at jack miller 02 on twitter always a pleasant follow favorite of mine but yeah people so I, I see the pitfalls but also see how it works and vegas is beat behind it frank reich and carson were making some magic last time they were together i get the wentz trade more than the darnold trade because again at least carson wentz was a rock star in 2017 and we can't forget just how good he was i mean even though it was a while ago, there's not many quarterbacks in the league that have ever played at an MVP level. So we should give Wentz credit for doing so in 2017. In that year, he was fourth in PFF passing grade among 45 quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks, 13th in yards per attempt, fifth in QB rating, third in big time throw rate, and second in fantasy points per game. That takes me right to the PFF Lily stat of the podcast. Wentz, even though last year was horrific, I don't think fantasy managers, or if you were paying attention as close as I was, you probably weren't all that disappointed i mean he didn't turn into top 10 but like he was a bottom five quarterback in the league in real life last year and that was not the case in fantasy he actually finished 20th in fantasy points per game i get it not good but we saw some random spike weeks because once was running the ball more than ever i mentioned before how it seemed like he was just trying to make up for a season's worth of disappointments on one play a lot of that came from him running the ball and he looked pretty good doing it people 23 rushing yards per game the most he had averaged since his 20 2017 MVP season. So there is a scenario. I don't think he's going to score five rushing touchdowns again, but if he's giving us that 20 rushing yard per game floor, that is legit. So if we can get something even not even 2017 once, but if we can get like 2018, 2019 once with this 2020 rushing floor, all of a sudden we're looking at a borderline QB one again. So uh, PFF Lloyd stat, 
in 2016, he was 27th in fantasy points per game. Um, and, you know, that was bad. He was a rookie. 2017, he's second. 2018, tied for 17. 2019, 14th. And 2020, he was 20th. So even at once is worse, he has been a, you know, upside QB2 more weeks than not. And that's what takes me to, I guess, the end part because he is just going a lot cheaper than that, people. And I think he's a good example of someone that's being priced far closer to their floor than their ceiling. His ceiling is as a legit top two quarterback in fantasy. We've seen him accomplish that, but right now in fantasy land, I mean, he is just going on a free fall on the board. I mean, I guess he's going ahead, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Darnold, and some of these guys, but we are seeing, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick to a, Kirk Cousins and some other guys that maybe the masses as a whole wouldn't necessarily agree with uh, boasting higher ADP. So Wentz is my QB 21. I agree with some of the guys. I just listed him being ahead of with the exception of Kirk Cousins. Right now, I do have him ahead of Sam Darnold to uh, Jameis, Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, Big Ben. I would take Kirk Cousins and the big three rookies, Lance, Fields, and Lawrence ahead of Wentz. But hey, people, I mean, it is worth pursuing here because it's, you know, a situation where he's at least been that good at some point in his career we got to think that him getting back to that point is at least a possibility with that said i did come across uh one of my favorite uh just many studies i did this offseason and basically if you look at first round qbs that failed to play at least six seasons with the team that drafted them so i picked six seasons at least six seasons just because you know usual rookie contract with the option for a first rounder is five i know like some of these quarterbacks, including Wentz, did get a contract extension. They just got, you know, traded or cut after it. So with that in mind, that was the reason why I said at least uh, six seasons to try to get a picture of like who did wasn't able to earn a second contract for their team, or at least, you know, who wasn't able to get long-term commitment from them. But these are the first round QBs since 2010 that failed to play at least six seasons with the team that drafted them. Josh Rosen. Paxton Lynch, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Blake Bortles, Johnny Menzel, Teddy Bridgewater, EJ Mantle, Robert Griffin, Brandon Whedon, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder, Tim Tebow, Sam Bradford. Five guys qualify for 2021. Dwayne Haskins, Sam Darnold, Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz. We'll see, people. Wentz could be the exception to the rule. A lot of bad quarterbacks there. I think at the end of the day, we're looking at someone kind of like maybe a, maybe a souped-up Teddy Bridgewater middle-class man, Sam Bradford at this point in fantasy land. Wentz needs to provide us with the rushing floor in order for him to get up to the fantasy heights we've wanted in the past. I'm not so convinced that's going to be readily available in Indy. I think they want Jonathan Taylor taking the ball a little bit more. We shall see. I will say that with Wentz, he's going QB 21. And what makes him, I guess, more appealing in best ball is the fact that all his receivers are like in the 40 range. I'm not sure who's going to emerge between Pittman, Hilton, and, uh, Campbell, but I put my money on Pittman and Campbell one, two, and they are so cheap in fantasy land right now that like, even if they don't rise to the top, they're still not going to kill your lineup because you can get them in the double digit rounds in uh, more drafts than not. So the Colts as a contrarian best ball stack, I can get behind because they're just so cheap and you don't have to really sacrifice uh, much in the upper rounds of the draft. I would probably refrain from getting once. I would definitely re refrain from getting once in any single quarterback leagues and just wouldn't, you know, go out of my way to get him and super flex formats so you know 
Wentz, not going to kill you if you're taking him in one of these later rounds. Just realize he has been more average to above average than world beater during the course of his career. And we know at his floor, which he did the last time we saw him, is awfully low. So hope you enjoyed that breakdown on Carson Wentz. And I invite you all to check out the rest of our PFF products, specifically our PFF College Football Preview Magazine. It's 600 plus pages of analysis, best returning players for all 130 teams, advanced scheme breakdown, strength of schedule, win projections, and more. That's available any pff college or pff edge subscription get it now for less than eight dollars and please people go check out our friends at underdog fantasy underdog's got everything including season long and playoff best ball you can go to underdog fantasy and deposit ten dollars using promo code pff and get a free pff edge and subscription that's promo code pff draft now underdog fantasy Last thing I want to get off my chest, and I'm, I'm assuming I'm in the majority here, but yeah, free uh, Shikari Richardson. Like, how is this woman not getting to race over a little bit of weed? Come on. It's 2021, people. There are such more important things to worry about than if a freaking athlete has ingested marijuana in their system. Let's focus on actual performance enhancing things. Just put this behind us. Maybe you're not a fan of marijuana. I'm not even telling you to change your mind on that. But I think you can't admit that we have far bigger issues facing us as a society. So let's just move on from it. If you think it's dangerous in this gateway thing, well, then we should probably be pushing for cigarettes and alcohol to be illegal too. But I just think that, you know, particularly in this case where you're trying to say that it's helping someone race as long as she's not high for the race, which I don't even think that would help, but who the hell knows? I don't see the issue with it. We've seen the NFL, uh, UFC, like all these organizations that just seem to be finally realizing, uh, you know, that it's not something that we need to be worrying as much about. And I don't think the Olympic uh, committee, when you kind of look back at some of their decisions over the years and overall, you know, just competency, I'm not uh, so convinced that they're the ones in the right. So hopefully Richardson can uh, get out there, do her thing race. And uh, it's unfortunate she's having to go through all that. So PFF fantasy football podcast firmly stands in support with uh, Shikari Richardson. Best of luck to her. And sorry, she has had such a rough go of it. But anyway, thank you as always for tuning in everybody. New episodes every single day throughout the summer and i am just trying to help you win your fantasy football league that's all i want that is my single goal here i can win my own that's great too i get more uh worked up about when i you know mess up for the listeners though so we're gonna try to avoid that as far as being thorough throughout the summer we'll continue to be so into august september and then for the actual season so you can check out my work at pff.com bunch of memes and random shit on twitter as well at iHeartIts, and yeah just like to have a good time so thank you as always for tuning in until next time take care everybody 